team of uh, a total team of 24 people. Um, and right now we're working on hopefully by like the end of next week, uh, we start to uh, test with whole blood samples. Um, and essentially we are, we've developed this technology which is able to separate blood plasma in the matter of 10 seconds uh, compared to 10 minutes on uh, a conventional centrifuge. You're now listening to season two of Spark After Hours, where we sit down to chat with STEM professionals every Saturday. If you like the episode, consider following us on Spotify and Instagram at Spark Hacks. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to Spark After Hours, everyone. My name is Krish, and I'll be your host for today. For those that haven't been following us for a while, Spark is a youth-led nonprofit organization founded in 2018 to engage students in the world of science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. Over the pandemic, we have hosted a 36-hour online hackathon called Spark From Home and a virtual case competition this summer called Chase the Case. Here with us today, we have Neil Mitra, a high school student from the Waterloo region who's an innovator, researcher, and an entrepreneur. Neil is currently working on three separate ventures, researching at the University of Waterloo and looking to add more innovations to his six patents. At such a young age, this is truly remarkable. It's great to have you, Neil. Thank you for having me. Uh, so just for the viewers at home, give, uh, tell us a little more about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, so hello everyone, my name is Neil Mitra, the founder and CEO of Mitra Biotechnologies and IT Incorporated. Um, pretty much develop a wide variety of rapid point of care diagnostics and social assistive robotics, respectively. Um, and I'm really excited to be here uh, on today's podcast. It's great to have you. So um, currently, since May 2019, you've been researching at the University of Waterloo. So uh, what have you been researching and what led, to, uh, what led you to be interested in researching at such a high stage? Yeah, for sure. So uh, the research that I do at the University of Waterloo now primarily relates to uh, both in terms of the academic sense as well as to my companies. So essentially I'm developing a, a rapid point of care diagnostic to detect and predict heart attacks in less than two minutes. So we currently have a, a fully functioning proof of concept uh, and this year itself we're testing with blood samples uh, and trying to hopefully get into in vivo clinical trials uh, by next year. That is our goal. So in terms of how I uh, started my research out initially, I just pretty much filed a provisional patent of the device that I was trying to build, um, cold emailed a bunch of professors um, and told them about my project, uh, how I planned to set up all these experiments, how I planned to do the experimentation uh, and how I would you know, test and map out the results, go about the scientific process um, and learn from that really. So, I, I, so yeah, cold emailing these professors, um, some of them replied and uh, I was in their labs. Uh, working on on building the device out, um, and it wasn't until like January of 2020 uh, when I actually like started working on the heart attack project itself. Uh, before then, I was just mostly trying to understand how uh, how a lab setup works and how how the research world and academia really works. And uh, after I got uh, a bit of the footing there, I, I started to go ahead and do my actual research. So, yeah, so that's pretty much a rough overview. So how was the experience working with professors? Like there's obviously gonna be an age gap. So like, how do you overcome that and create, foster like a good work, in, at, uh, work environment where you can research um, adequately? 
Yeah, so like it, professors are pretty much there if you need any help or mentoring when it comes to, uh, to any lab procedures that, that isn't working or if you want to review anything really quickly, then you'd probably go to professors. Um, it, it, mostly you would work on any the professor to, to gain access to labs so that you can use like the materials, reagents and so forth uh, and have the proper ethics clearance to go ahead and use uh, the reagents and, uh, and all these various chemicals that you're going to be using uh, in your lab. Um, and, and it also depends on the type of research that you're doing. So, for example, if, if your research is to do with biotech, you almost always require a wet lab setting. Um, and for that, the best way to get access to wet labs is through the university. Uh, and if you're essentially volunteering underneath a professor or working underneath a professor, uh, it's always good to use their labs. Um, you also get to learn a lot from their students that are working underneath them, um, their, their postdoc students or, or just the professors themselves. Um, and, and I'd say it's important to, to just keep on asking questions. Like pe people understand that, you know, you're young and it's okay to ask questions. Um, and, and overall people in, in a university setting, they're, they're, very, uh, they're, they're very receptive in terms of giving you feedback um, and, and they're quite friendly and kind. So there's, there's really no, not too much friction when it comes to integrating yourself into that uh, academic uh, environment, which is, which is a really good part about uh, working within a university lab. Uh, so there's many, I bet there's many students uh, who are high school students at home uh, who are also interested in researching at a university setting. So what tips would you have for such high school students and what are professors looking for in, I bet the hundreds of cold emails they get for researching at a university? Yeah, I'd say the main thing that they would look for is a track record. So, and, and like seriousness to do, to do the work. Um, so in my case, I would say like my track record already pre-existing was my first startup company, Icane. Um, and essentially my willingness to do the work would probably be like, I, I just attached essentially like a, a lab procedure that I would do as well as information about the patent that I filed. Um, and I also always make sure to like attach your CV or resume. I recommend attaching your curriculum vitae uh, over a resume simply because academia works mostly on curriculum vitae over resumes. Um, and yeah, just like through cold outreach, the best way to stand out is just prove like building up your track record uh, and proving that you have the knowledge um, that you're willing to work hard for, for your project because it, it like most likely your, your project isn't going to be executed um, perfectly as you originally planned it. Um, everything when it comes to the laboratory um, starts to sort of deviate from the theoreticals. So you have to uh, really understand how you can uh, like summarize all those errors within the theoretical work and apply it into a real world uh, setting. Um, and that's what research is all about. So yeah, th that's definitely like a learning process and uh, yeah, a university setting is the best place to, to gain that sort of knowledge. Yeah, so um, from your words, it's obvious to see you're interested in uh, researching. So since you're entering your final stretch of um, high school and next year you'll be entering university, uh, do you intend to continue doing um, research at whatever university uh, you go into? Yeah, of course. Um, I, since I'll be pursuing my, my startups at these universities, uh, I will need access to like a laboratory so that I can conduct my research there. 
uh, and continue to build both my start companies as well as like publish a few papers. That's also one of my goals is, is to publish academic papers um, and really just to invent stuff. That's, that's the end goal. So uh, do you see research as a potential a career option or is it something just to grow um, your, the knowledge you have on biotech? I would say it's both, um, specifically and specifically if you go within like the medical uh, device entrepreneurship sector or like the biotech entrepreneurship se sector, it's both a combination of uh, academic research, um, like pure academic research as well as applying that towards uh, an industry setting. Um, and at the same time, you can obviously pursue academia, like uh, go down the, the path of, the path of uh, academia and become a researcher. It's also a viable option while maintaining all your startups. So, it, like, like the research world is, is very versatile when it comes to uh, being able to do a wide variety of things, both related in uh, in industry, um, in an academia, as well as just for peer research. So, yeah. yeah so you pointed out um, your startup quite a few times there. So, what are you trying to achieve with the startup, and uh, what have you done so far? Yeah, sure. So for Metro Biotechnologies right now, we're a team of uh, a total team of 24 people. Um, and right now we're working on hopefully by like the end of next week, uh, we start to uh, test with whole blood samples. Um, and essentially we are, we've developed this technology which is able to separate blood plasma in the matter of 10 seconds uh, compared to 10 minutes on a, a conventional centrifuge. Um, and using that, we're able to separate the key biomarkers from a whole blood sample, and we're able to analyze that using a standard lateral flow assay. So through that method, we can effectively detect and predict heart attacks uh, in patients who have a prolonged history of heart conditions or have cardiovascular disease uh, within the matter of just two minutes. Um, as well as with the machine learning model, we're able to predict five hours ahead of time uh, how these biomarkers are going to increase. And the total device cost itself is around a dollar. So it's a very low cost device and it's completely built on paper. Um, and that, that makes it really easy to mass produce uh, as well as get it into the hands of the consumer. So that's what that's what Mitra Biotechnologies does. Um, and iCane, we pretty much developed these robotic guide dogs uh, to aid visually impaired individuals in navigating from one location to another. So that was my first startup company, iCane. Um, and we're currently a team of seven people. We raised our seed round of financing um, back in August of 2020. So approximately like a year, year-ish ago. Um, and yeah, we're, we're currently planning on, on getting that company, uh, we're pretty much planning on having the company's product being scaled uh, and mass produced as of the moment. So that's what we're working on, uh, as well as potentially raising a, a series A uh, or, or getting some of our IP acquired is also something that we're looking into. So, uh, yeah, that's just a little bit about uh, my two startups. Yeah. So, um, for both startups, your team consists of students from high school, ranging up to a university. So having such young, um, employees, how does that work for the advantage of your two startups? Yeah. So I, I would say, um, for ICANN, it's it's mostly like a, I'd say fifty like majority is still high school students and like there's a uh, percentage who's still 
uh, who are in university. And for mutual price technologies, it's the opposite. Most of them have either graduated, uh, have masters, or uh, are, are pretty much like in their final years of university. Um, we have very few high school students in mutual price technologies. And like, the, I would say the way to, the best way to manage people is to get them excited about the vision uh, that you have created for your startup. Um, and just by focusing on a first principles based approach to everything that you do and really having a vision centered approach to solving any task or to motivating any team members or, 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 or is, is very beneficial to the entire team as well as to the overall team morale. Uh, and especially in a startup, um, like startups are difficult. <laughs> Uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of times where things don't work out as you meant for them to work out. So it's really important to, to keep your team morale up um, and at the same time ensure that all the work gets done properly uh, and that everybody is excited to do the work um, and everybody has a common vision of, of where the company wants to go. Uh, and they realize that how the company will not only benefit people, um, like essentially our customers, but also themselves and, and, that, and truly that they're making a difference in the world is, is really something important. So just managing um, all that is, is, is the true, true art, I would say, of, of startups. Yes, definitely. Like uh, as the role, you have the role of CEO for both of your startups. So having such a large role and even managing uh, employees, what has that taught you, um, especially uh, from your first experience to now, it's been a few years. So what have you learned and what do you believe you'll learn in the future? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say initially one of the, one of the mistakes that I, I made was essentially uh, not having such a vision-centered approach um, and not being able to excite my teammates. So that's, that's something that happened in ICANE. Um, and also another part, Another important part is to be very conversant on the business side, uh, as well as on the technical side. So I had no experience in terms of the business side at all when I was founding iCAIN uh, back in like late 2018. Um, and yeah, like through that experience, I, I just learned how to, how to manage people and uh, also understand like very basic business principles like equity within a company and so forth. One of the important things is to make sure that your co-founders are, are happy with the amount of equity which is being assigned. And the last thing that you want is a co-founder to fall out in, in the first stages of your company. That's like the, that's pretty much one of the worst things that could happen to a startup is, is co-founder fallout. Um, and to prevent co-founder fallout at all costs, you, you want to make sure you're working with people uh, that you like to work with. Um, and you're working with people who, who, have, who have amazing and brilliant talent, uh, both in the technical side, as well as in the business side. Um, and ensuring that everybody is really passionate about the vision uh, is, is the most important part. Um, what dictates your startup is how, how passionate your team members are going to be and if they're able to go through the hurdles that uh, everyday startup challenges have. Yes, yeah, so the next question is like deviating a, a little away from um, startups, but in general with your school life, you're a researcher at a university, uh, you run to well-established companies. So how do you manage uh, all these tasks as well as um, doing well in school? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question. And frankly speaking, I, I used to struggle with this a, a lot early on. Um, and what I found what really helped was, was just by figuring out 
how to time block uh, my schedule. And the way I do this now is just by using Google Calendar. Um, and it, it's really simple, really. Like every single minute of the day, you should figure out what you're going to do. Um, and you'll be surprised by the amount that you can get finished within a short period of time. And a lot of that is also to do with the concentration and focus that you have uh, per hour of time, which is blocked for a specific task. Uh, for instance, if I am uh, doing, I don't know, physics homework um, for an hour, uh, doing an hour of physics homework, you can, you can accomplish a lot. Like you can solve a fair amount of problems. That's if you fully focus on the physics for an hour, you can accomplish a fair amount. And nothing else should be on your mind besides the physics. Similarly, when I have an hour time block for my startups, nothing else is on my mind except for that certain period where I'm working on my startups. So I would say the combination of just practicing your focus and your concentration and majority, majority of it is just like keeping a very tight knit schedule, uh, scheduling things whenever anybody asks of something and staying on the ball is just by re creating reminders uh, on your Google calendar or whatever calendar app you, you decide to use, but really using a, a calendar software and time blocking, no matter how you really time block, you can even use like a notepad uh, to time block your schedule. Um, just basic pen and paper also works. So uh, if, if you're able to time block your schedule effectively, naturally your, your focus would also increase. At least that's what happened in my case. So that's what I recommend, just time block. Yeah, so uh, from the start where you were struggling with uh, focus and concentration to now, so have you, how have you built your focus and concentration um, from the past? Yeah, so I would say for school, I, I feel like that, that's one of the main things that uh, a lot of students, at least that I have seen, uh, struggle on is like, how can you maintain school, uh, especially if, if you're taking like an AP program or an IB program, it, it's, it's definitely academically rigorous without a doubt, how can you maintain that and do stuff outside of school without school consuming your entire life? So uh, the, the way to really do that is um, it, like most likely schools will assign you textbooks or give you any textbook reading. Uh, so one of the ways to easily build focus is just by reading textbooks. Um, like let it be science or or even books in general. It's one of, it's one of the best ways to develop your, your focus. Um, and being good at analyzing the books, reflecting on the books is also an important part. So I recommend the fastest way to build up your focus is just by reading books. Um, and for school, just read the textbook uh, and, and study, study with the method that works best for you um, and have fun while studying. Like there's no point of learning things if you're not having fun. Um, that's a, at the end of the day, you should be very excited uh, to solve any physics problem or you should be excited to, to do any biology or math problem. You should always be excited uh, and feel the exhilarating thrill of, of learning more than anything. Um, and, and getting that within you is really just figuring out what learning technique uh, works best for you. Uh, and once you have that down and once you have time blocking down, it pretty much everything just flows uh, smoothly. Uh, so, uh, well, let's just go into the competitions you have participated in because you have uh, several accolades uh, from DACA to the Canada Wide Science Fair um, to the INSPA Research and Innovation Competition, and you've also been part of the Non Society. So, how do you find opportunities 
um, that you're interested in and how do you pursue them further? Yeah, um, so, so in, in the case of science fair, I really started that all the way back in grade seven. Um, and honestly, the best way to gain access to, uh, to opportunities in the field of STEM is just to do science fair. Um, no matter which grade you are in, start doing science fair. It's, it's the best way to like gain knowledge both in your first principles of STEM and, and also understand how like the research world works. Um, and science fair is like typically like stereotypically it is understood that you'd have like the classical uh, volcano experiment, but uh, most science fairs are, are, are to do with actual research. Uh, like if you look at the past Canada-wide science fair, uh, Canada-wide science fair uh, top prizes, they've gone to students who have literally done cancer research uh, and have developed like new immunotherapies or have figured out novel ways of drug delivery or uh, I don't know, building autonomous cars. That's actually true. Um, literally building autonomous cars and figuring out all these drug delivery stuff, like really, really um, like master's level research. Um, most students do that for the Canada-wide science fair and like the national level science fair, or, or even at the regional level science fair. So um, the best way to do that is just to, uh, like if you're in Canada, like you have Youth Science Canada, which is the main uh, way to gain access to where uh, your local regional science fairs are. They have like pretty much a tool which you can use on their website uh, to, to pretty much locate your nearest science fair and participate in that region. Um, and another part is like also in, in through school clubs like DECA and stuff like that. That's just all through school clubs. Um, and yeah, like through science fair, you get mostly uh, all these other like competitions, quote unquote, that you can join uh, and go through. So Definitely in high school, you have a lot of those opportunities available to you. And just Google searching is also a great way uh, to, to, to find these opportunities. Uh, and networking, connecting through LinkedIn uh, is a fantastic way to, to meet others and, and see what they're up to um, and see what other mutuals are up to and, and through there, just build your network. Uh, eventually, uh, you'll, you'll find a, a lot of opportunities. They're, they're definitely there. If you put yourself out there, you, you'll naturally naturally opportunities will come to you. Yeah, so on the topic of competitions and accolades to be specific, one that I'd like to point out is uh, your startup, ICANE, who uh, became an MIT global finalist. So uh, how, how was the experience like and uh, what does it entail? Yeah, so yeah, so like if ICANE, uh, that, this was back in, I believe April of 2019. So from there, we were able to gain a, a lot of connections to investors uh, and various stakeholders. And through that experience, we uh, like our team really accelerated its R and D, its development, and, and really got better on the business end of things as well. Um, and I would say that period of growth was definitely this starting stages of of how ICANN uh, had its like ground uh, basis in R and D formed and how our co company culture really formed was, was from that, uh, was from that competition. So, um, in terms of the MIT launch X clubs competition, it's, it, it was, a, it's, it was an amazing learning experience, both in the business side, uh, as well as the R and D side for our company. Great. So, uh, you also talked about science fair and participating in the candlewide science fair. So 
in the 2020 Canada Wide Science Fair, you did a project. So uh, why don't you talk about the project and why you chose to pursue it? Yeah, sure. So um, in, in the 2021 um, Canada Wide Science Fair, like the, that, that was essentially my, my research project that I worked on. Um, and it was, it was essentially the device that could detect and predict heart attacks uh, in less than two minutes. Uh, and I was just showing how the proof of concept worked, how I went about developing it um, throughout the period of January to March of 2020. Um, that, that's pretty much what my science fair uh, was based on. Yeah, so how did you think of this um, project? And are you, do you see, uh, are you currently still working on it or have you moved to other projects that interest you? Yeah, so I, I'm still currently working on the on the project. Like again, like doing the blood testing and stuff uh, is what uh, I'm currently working on. And right now, it's spun into like major biotechnologies, um, and currently commercializing the technology itself. Um, in terms of how I got the inspiration, uh, like back in January of 2019, so like a year before I even started the research, one of my close aunts actually passed away due to heart attack, um, and I wanted to develop something that could like potentially save. Other, other lives like hers uh, from a heart attack. So I, I diving in a bit deeper, I found that the time to intervention for an average cardiac case is around 30 minutes, uh, which is simply not enough. Uh, like that's just a lot of time just to get bi biomarker diagnostics and getting started uh, on your interventional cardiology. So um, I wanted to reduce that even shorter. Uh, so I thought of, okay, what's, what's a good way to figure out a solution to this and just by researching a lot and finding various technologies that were being used i decided to take like nanomaterials and apply it to uh, paper microfluidics uh, and see if that could do something so uh, just applying those technologies together um, it, it pretty much worked out um, and from there that's how i started my research like i created like a initial idea and i make sketch, sketches of the device that I wanted to build, filed a provisional patent on it, got in contact with the professors and, and started research. So yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah, so you talked about how you came up um, with the science fair topic and your inspiration towards it. So how would, what tips would you give to high school students who also want to participate in science fair to come up with a topic and not go with the more generic like volcano experiments? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say, like, look at, like, uh, one of the biggest tips that I could give to high school students is just to, like, figure out what you really, really want to do and what you really like uh, within the field of STEM. And once you, like, narrow it down to a specific field, uh, in my case, it was, like, medical devices, um, specifically in, in, a, in the cardiac setting. Um, once you narrow it down to that, that level of specificity, you can just research uh, on, on Google Scholar, see what new research is there um, and see what the big problems are. Like I, I would say targeting big problems are, 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 are the best way to figure out, like that's where the best research comes from. Uh, it's just by targeting big problems in, in these very uh, small spaces, very niche spaces. Um, and if you're able to solve like a big problem in a niche space, like that can impact a lot of people. Like the, the the end human impact is also very important. So try to create something which is really impactful and, and has like a measurable impact on people. 
Uh, if you're able to find that thing, just go ahead and start pursuing it. See how you can do it. Um, and, and, and honestly, it's it's a learning process. It's like you won't expect to get everything perfect on first try, and that's okay. Like that's what the research process is all about. Uh, that's what the scientific method is all about. Just keep on asking new questions, go back, reiterate, uh, and start developing new things. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I recommend doing. Yeah. So talking about the scientific process, um, it obviously has a lot of ups and downs. So, uh, how would you recommend students to like recover from their downs and continue working towards their project? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that 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 is a very very good question. Uh, I would say like always remember why you started in the first place and what your true internal motivation for for doing the project. What what is your true internal motivation? For doing it um like if you focus back on on why you started everything in the first place uh that's what's going to get you through uh through the through the downs um and honestly just realize the fact that whatever thing that you're working on right now uh like even though it's a struggle like just know that it's going to be better <laughs> like that, that that is the best way to go about doing it and and through struggle the greatest learnings comes from struggle. So there's nothing to be ashamed of if your experiment fails or something like you will undoubtedly learn something new. Like it's it's either you you succeed with your experiment or you learn something new. It, it's really, the, that's how you, you should look at it. Um, and just through going through iterations uh, and iterations, you will eventually find something that works. Yeah, so just the question, um, like a greater question that you can elaborate on is since most of our viewers are high school students and uh, you were able to combine your passions in both uh, science and entrepreneurship, the field of science and entrepreneurship together is quite a competitive one. So where would you advise either it be new companies or startups by high school students to start, start out? And what opportunities and resources would you recommend them to reach out to? Yeah, so I believe if you're starting like high school initially, like during grade nine, I recommend just joining as many STEM related clubs as possible. Um, and then grade 10, start filtering. Uh, start filtering the ones that you really, really like and the, the ones that you really want to do. Um, from there, you're just going to gain like your initial experiences like through science fair and stuff like that. Uh, you'll be able to really understand what you like to do uh, in high school and like, really invest your time in figuring out what you want to do, um, what your true passion is, um, and which sector do you want to get into? That's, that's very important. Um, and, and once you have that figured out really, uh, it's just a matter of pursuing it and, and working hard towards the goals that you set for yourself. Um, so that's what I recommend for high school students to do uh, for, from like a, from the early stage onwards and through there you'll get the experiences both in high school and uh, get the experiences that are important for your career um, and getting that is, is very important uh, for for both what you're going to do in post-secondary and beyond understanding a, a general direction of where you want to go to even though if you don't know exactly what you're going to do just having a general like direction is, is very important and yes it is a competitive field but if you just focus on, on what you really want to do, um, 
then all that really matters is, is what you're passionate about. Um, and don't try to like, I don't know, necessarily compete with others for the sake of competing. Um, like always have collaboration over, or over competition. That, that's, that's something which is very important. Uh, and the, the, acad uh, the academic world relies on, on collaborative innovation. That is the only way that we can solve the world's biggest problems is through collaboration, not through, um, not through petty competition. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really insightful answer. And I really liked the ending where you talked about how uh, you don't have to always think about the competition. So uh, it seems like this is all the time we have. So I would like to thank you uh, for taking the time to uh, share about your unique experiences with STEM startups and at such a young age. Uh, you're truly an inspiration for so many students out there who are interested in either science, entrepreneurship, or both together. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk uh, on a podcast. Thank you for just, having me. Just before we wrap it up, I just want to ask if our podcast listeners want to hear and see more about you, uh, what's the best place to go? Uh, I would say you can easily contact me through, through my website uh, or through my company website, nutribiotechnologies.com uh, or just through my LinkedIn. Uh, it's probably the best way to connect with me, yeah. That's great to go. That's great to know. To our audience, that's all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to check out our next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Spark After Hours. If you liked this episode, consider following us on Spotify and Instagram at Spark Hacks. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.